1: Shack House is presented by Callaway, the number one iron in golf. Their irons have a face built to change the game, to push the industry further and iron performance farther. If you're not playing an iron with Callaway's industry-leading 360 face cup technology, you're losing out on distance, and who wants that? This face belongs to the number one iron in golf, and it's a face built for distance. Welcome to Shack House, presented by Callaway. I am Jeff Shackelford, and joining us from a secure, undisclosed location is Joe House. House, tell me you're going to be playing some golf wherever you are.
2: I, I'm, I'm happy to tell the world where I am. I am in Jamaica. Everything is i and uh, yeah, there's only a couple things to do in Jamaica. One of those things is play golf.
1: Well, normally, on this fine show, you're going to be joining us from washington d c so we get to uh we get to live vicariously through you today uh and I can't wait to hear all about the golf of Jamaica. I'm sure it's just really profound architecturally down there.
2: It's pretty lush, I will say I played last year uh, i got a couple of rounds in, and Jamaica i guess it's not um a big secret that there's – it's kind of mountainous terrain. And one of the courses I played, The White Witch, is situated in in a pretty – there's a lot, a lot of dramatic elevation change. It's very cool. Um, but, hey, Jeff Shackelford, what a pleasure to be on a golf podcast with you.
1: Well, that's very kind of you. That's probably a little excessive. But this is exciting. I, I think we're going to have a lot of fun with this. We're going to talk about – cool stuff in golf make fun of uh, some people that need to be made fun of we're going to uh, get into some of the off stories and a little bit behind the scenes and uh, just kind of think of it as, uh, as a fans kind of show and and uh, because it's a great time right now in golf it's been a it's been a phenomenal run up i think this year i'm usually pretty cynical as you probably know house and the uh, pj tour has had a run here that has been for a golf fan a really pure golf fan has been pretty awesome week to week um, and i I just I've actually wanted to watch the final round very closely every week since January and that doesn't always happen
2: I was especially impressed with this Florida swing I thought the courses acquitted themselves very well and it, it's a pretty cool thing to have all four of the tournaments won by a major winner.
1: Yeah, and old guys, too, uh, especially after all the love fests we heard about uh, the kids. They've taken over. They're they're amazing. And they are. Some of them are amazing. They're doing amazing things. But wasn't it interesting how uh, the West Coast stuff, uh, the, the old golf courses that require a little bit of knowledge, and then we got to Florida, the places that, uh, that really are – all those golf courses have kind of had transformations in the last few years. And, uh, you know, the young guys didn't quite come through. It was the uh, the, the geezers in their early 30s and, and late 20s who, who kind of showed that it still takes a little bit of seasoning a little bit of smarts out there, which I, I found thrilling. I, I I do think it's funny, though, that, that people aren't as enthused about this recent swing of golf because the young guys kind of struggle. Is
2: that right? Yeah, the lack yeah. of enthusiasm?
1: Well, no, there's enthusiasm, but... I haven't heard. Yeah, like I threw out the idea. I went through some past uh, winners and and West Coast and Florida swings, and and I hate the and I know you're a recency bias guy because I listen to you on on Bill uh, all the time, and and I know how you feel about this. But I actually I declared on Morning Drive that uh, the this was as good a, of a run up to the Masters as I can recall. Obviously, we have a couple more events, but in terms of great names, diverse leaderboards. And people who you expect to contend at Augusta, getting to check off, having a couple of great weeks, it was phenomenal. And every event's been close and interesting. I agree.
2: Who who disagrees with that?
1: I just think there is such a desire to have the 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 22 year olds, the Jordan Spieths, Rory guys take over. That they get a little conflicted, you know, when they when they kind of struggle, and Spieth and McElroy and um, even Ricky kind of, you know, has had some really awesome weeks, but he's also kind of done some weird stuff, and so uh, I see.
2: So, like from a tour branding perspective, yeah, yeah, let's get you're to not the, getting yeah. exactly. Yeah. But holy, holy s word. Uh, and by the way, we are allowed to curse on this at least. Oh, good. The curse on the Simmons one. We we ought to be able to curse on this too. Um, Look at all of the Masters winners that have won in the weeks preceding this. And how about my main man, Jason Day, who's been on the brink of a Masters win, easing his way into his season, coming up with a big victory two weeks out, right? There's still some weeks in between. I I just love the trajectory that um, the, 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 the big hitters, the guys that have done it before, the Masters winners are all gearing up and it's pretty interesting the one guy who's really kind of sucked since january is initials are jf
1: <laughs> well be clear that was since the second week of january he started off really well at kapalua but uh yeah it's been pretty weird since then for him and, and mcelroy's been just bizarrely inconsistent. At Riviera, he he was just going along beautifully. He eagled the first hole. And on the third hole, I was there watching me, he, he blew a putt about five feet past the hole. He made it. The next hole, he had like a 15-footer for birdie on the fourth hole. Did the same thing. Missed that one, and he was toast. I mean, he could not uh, – he just couldn't really believe in himself on the greens from that point going forward. And it was so bizarre to watch him – kind of uh, just, just unravel so quickly on just a couple of bad putts. And uh, and that's, to me, what's been sort of really fun about this stretch of golf is that uh, they've had to be at a kind of major championship level and be ready to go, and the slightest little uh, hiccup has kind of cost some of these guys down the stretch, and and you just love seeing them kind of get battle-tested before, uh, before Augusta because you, you kind of know now who it's going to be. It's probably going to be one of a dozen people, uh, and I'm fine with yeah. that. That's just the nature of the Masters. So am I.
2: That, that, that's the Masters. That's the point. I, I will say it is really interesting that the difference between guys like Rory and Jordan as compared to, to the guys who have won at the great menus over the last six to eight weeks, Bubba, Adam Scott a couple times, uh, Jason, it does seem to be mental more than anything else.
1: Oh, no question. Yeah. And and I mean, Jason is such a uh, an interesting case. I've watched him for a few years now. He works with a guy who does this whole pre-round thing where he gets in this sort of meditation mode. And uh, I mean, he, what he has done, because he's a pretty sensitive guy, and he has really kind of uh, best <laughs> seen with his comments uh, about Jordan Spieth and wondering if he's played too much. And, and he said it in a way like he was actually concerned about him. But he he has he does so much to get into a round um and then he's obviously goes through every conceivable thought on the golf course as you can see by his speed of play under uh well in any circumstance especially under pressure um so he he's just uh he's in a perfect position going to augusta it's just he couldn't it couldn't be more uh ideal in terms of having been rested and refreshed and now he wins at bay hill and um but but the one thing, House, it's kind of a story that's also not really being discussed a whole lot yet because everybody wants to see how this match play unfolds and somebody like him gets there. And if he has to play five uh, – excuse me, seven matches, I believe, to win it all, and is that taxing? Is this kind of this schedule and this build up to the Masters? Because right now it's been perfect, right? It's just been ideal.
2: And, and the thing that uh... – before we kind of dive into the, the curiosity of Austin with a WGC event, you know, just on the um, outside of, of the Masters, is, is the impact it just had on, on, the, on the Arnold Palmer field. Yeah. A lot of great Americans. Well, that was what not, I was getting Not at. in the field.
1: Yeah. 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 And it was it was a big story. I actually have a quote on my website from Palmer from, like, I don't know, 30 years ago where he said, hey, you know, we can't all play every week. So it was kind of ironic that in the last week um, <laughs> that's all anybody could talk about. But it is telling. Um, and and there are a number of reasons why guys don't like to play at Bay Hill. It has nothing, obviously, to do with Arnold Palmer. They all revere him. Uh, I think they've all had it drummed into him to, to to be reverential and to be grateful for what he's done. But really, the golf course hasn't been in that great of shape the last few years, and a lot of them don't really like the golf course, and then they don't like the way he sets it up. You know, a lot of people don't know this house, but there's two golf courses on the tour where the, where the rule staff sets it up but they don't quite have the final say. And I know you'll be shocked to know that those two courses happen to be the places uh, that are tied to Jack Nicklaus and Arnold Palmer, and they do a great job with their events, but, you know, uh,
2: know, they they don't like guys tearing up their
1: golf course.
2: There are some complaints about the way that Jack – uh, Sets up the memorial as
1: well. Yeah, yeah. Well, he just has a little more control. See, so, I mean, a few years ago, he had they were raking the bunkers with these deep tines. You know, he did that. Of course, I remember a, a that. The tour would never allow that kind of thing. Arnold's always liked a lot of rough and liked to have the greens a little firmer and and the 17th green uh, really firm and so stuff like that. Little stuff like that's kind of eaten away at at the at at the player's view of the place. And I think it's kind of... But then you also throw in this match play, this WGC. I hate the WGC concept. Uh, I get it. I know why people like it. But it's dreadful for the tournaments around it. Uh, Occasionally, it helps the tournament the week before. But for the most part, it's just taken players who would have played Bay Hill and moved them to, and what's going to be this week, Austin, Texas.
2: Yeah, so uh, one more, one one last thought on the Arnie thing. The thing that I I guess I... um, wonder about so arnie is is not a young fella no. uh any longer and it doesn't you know the, the opportunities to kind of show up at his event and um you know express your appreciation by by playing in the event or at least you know ricky had the decency to, to figure out a way to to you know go go um have lunch with arnie yeah but like you know, I, I, I hope Arnie lives another 10 years, but we're, we're officially in a zone where they, that may not be the case. I'd hate to be a player like, you know, Jordan or somebody um, or, 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 or Pat Reed who, for, for plenty of legitimate reasons, skipped the event but missed out on the opportunity to kind of, you know, express their gratitude to, to a guy that really paved the way for the tour.
1: Yeah, and I I do wonder sometimes if maybe just that that uh, sort of storyline that he paved the way and you need to to be grateful actually kind of almost backfires and that players uh, get a, a little annoyed that they have to do that. I mean, Ricky, uh, yeah, Ricky went and had lunch with him, and then for some reason he was at Jimmy Walker's uh, house over the weekend, and his, uh, there was a photo tweeted of uh, by uh, Jimmy Walker's wife, and like you said, you had a scheduling conflict. What? You had to go do some stargazing with the uh, the walkers. I mean, like, what you know, just <laughs> live in Jupiter. I, I don't mind
2: it. Ricky, Ricky, Ricky did the right thing. I'm I'm okay with you know him skipping the event. I think there are plenty of legitimate reasons for the guys to um, you know work construct their schedules in whatever way makes the most sense. And you you know, I just think with with the kind of stage that we're at with with Arnie, and I find that the the, the observation you just made. About you know maybe some mild resentment around just the idea of paying homage to uh, Arnie. Arnie created the commercial vehicle by which so many of these guys you know reap off the course benefits. Most of these guys make their money, or at least the top fifteen, right, by way of of sponsorships and, and commercial deals. They don't make all their money from the golf course. Arnie's the one that's responsible for that in the first place, and then Tiger exploded it. Um, You know, I I still maintain that every single guy that that, uh, has come on tour since 1997 should write a 5% check to Tiger every (laughs) single year because of what the transformative things that Tiger did to the tour and the commercial opportunities. Anyhow... Um, Yeah, you know, that's a fair point.
1: It's a legitimate point. I I just, as somebody who loves golf history, I also kind of roll my eyes at it a little bit because there was somebody like Walter Hagen. I mean, if you really want to go back and look at the people who who kind of uh, paved the way for the modern golf pro, you really could start with old Tom Morris. I mean, you could go all the way back. So... Uh, Mr. Palmer is amazing. He has done as you say amazing things for them and allowing them to make money off the golf course but uh there were others as well and and I'm sure there are some who kind of uh but roll their eyes, but I don't think that's why they skipped the place. I really do think it has to do with just timing. Some of the, the maintenance issues, and by the way, the course was in amazing shape at Bay Hill this year, so that'll get more guys back. Uh, even Arnold in his his interview with Jimmy Roberts on Thursday, even even he expressed surprise at how good the conditioning was, which was kind of one of those uh, what will you know old people will say anything kind of thing. I think he was sort of shocked, <laughs> that's, really. that's, but, that's awesome. Um,
2: but yeah. anyway, but his events so also me. tainted
1: a little bit by this match play. So let's be let's be sure. honest. So this help is me
2: a, understand. What the hell happened? I loved it in February. Yeah. I understand they didn't love the the venue in Arizona, but it was a, a neat thing. It's it's kind of a a unique and a little maybe you know a cynical person would call it slightly gimmicky. Um, I did see these photos of containers with uh, like lottery ping pong balls in them. I don't understand that. No, you explain it to me. (laughs) But it was like a perfect kind of moment in the tour schedule back in in February. That's the right time for, you know, kind of a a weird, um, non-traditional event to take place. And and it could be in a West Coast, you know, warm, warm venue kind of thing. What are we doing in Austin this week?
1: Uh, It's called Money house. It's a very simple thing. The, de- the WGC events are very expensive to sponsor. They're, I think, about $4 million more at least than the average tour event. And so there are really only about 12 companies in the United States, as I understand it, that probably can afford to sponsor such an event and who maybe have an interest in sponsoring such an event. And so Dell came along, and obviously Dell wanted to bring it to Austin, which is fine. That's great. And I think they just felt that uh, February is a little bit rough uh, going in, in Austin weather-wise, and and March is uh, is a lot better. And I think it ultimately just came down to that they really weren't interested in playing it somewhere else. And this and this is such a hard event to get a sponsor for because so much of the narrative during the week, as you know, is how fluky match play is and how unfair it is. And you just you know they get forty grand to show up and then they all they do is is just say, well, it's just a fluky format. Well. Maybe, but if you play great golf, I've, you're going to win seven matches.
2: Yeah, it's it, it is a novelty, and I don't begrudge um, the guys. Uh, you know, um, doing whatever kind of what, what what's the right way to describe a, a golf complaint. You no. know, uh, <laughs> whatever their mild golf complaints may be, it's just such a weird point in the schedule. And uh, I love Austin. Austin is one of America's great cities. But what what the hell is so special about this golf course that was built in 1984 – that they had to rush in and, and, and jump on there. It's a Pete Dye design, right?
1: Yeah, well, it was the one course in Austin that probably could handle the event in terms of uh, having enough space, although it's going to be very tight. But having something, too, that looks cool on TV and, and plays well for match play. I played it in 1990, so I, I <laughs> my memories are very simple. I remember the back nine had these cool holes with these canyons. The front nine goes down by the lake. It's really going to be dramatic. They flipped the nines, so the back nine oh. is that club's front nine down by the water and it's it's going He's to be grand. Hands, huh? yeah it's going to look cool on TV I, I don't know how it's going to be as a walk in the park kind of thing for spectators I've noticed they've built an enormous number of tents so that people don't have to move very far and and really that was that was the reason I think they'd love to after a few years go to another golf course if it's built in in Austin that's a little more able to handle it and maybe as a public course. Um, there's there's a project that Joe Ogilvie's involved with where that's kind of the dream, but so for now it's Austin Country Club. It's Harvey Pinnock was the pro there, and and it's a great story in that sense. Uh, it's nice to shine a light on some golf history like that. But I don't, you know, I, I don't know how this is going to work with match play right before the Masters. I think you're going to hear a lot of players complain. It's a weird mindset to be in. It's different than stroke play, but they get three matches guaranteed. So. They can't complain that they got shorted on the amount of golf they can play, and so I think they ought to just kind of uh hush and suck it up and take their their guaranteed forty thousand dollars, but they won't
2: yeah we we know that um Houston has made a deliberate effort to try and um present the players with something that's akin to what they'll confront uh at Augusta. Is there been any indication that they've tried that in, in Austin as well?
1: No, no, they, they I don't think they oversee the rough, <laughs> okay. so there's no point. No, nah, they're just gonna go with the golf course the way it is, and that's fine. I, I don't, uh, I love what Houston does, and that's worked really well for them, although even they are kind of hurt by this, this event being where it's at. So basically, you've hurt Houston, which is a great long time event, really well run, great tournament director, and you've hurt. Uh, Arnie's tournament uh, by having here so that that ultimately it's it's less about the match play close to the Masters that bothers me less than hurting two events that are staples of the tour towns that have been with this tour supported this tour through thick and thin uh, and were were important events even when the tour was just kind of uh, a fledgling and that that's always what bothers me and and so I admire Tim Fincham for wanting to save match play and i think we all should be thankful that that he's kind of insists on trying to save it but man trying to trying to sandwich this in right now i think uh it'll be fun to just kind of hear what the players say as the week goes
2: um yeah so that's exactly what i wanted to ask you about any indication of mood or sentiment among the players cuz you know for all of the factors you just described it seems like we might get a winner this week who um doesn't have kind of serious aspiration or ambition as it relates to Augusta. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of money at stake and a lot of points at stake with this event. Some guy who says, hey, I'm I'm not I'm probably not going to win at Augusta, but I'm going to put the pedal to the metal in this match play event and, you know, try and go get a W. Whereas a bunch of other guys might just be using this event as a, as a kind of tune-up vibe because um, nobody wants to really, you know, um, I, who, who knows how taxing the seven rounds m- might be, right. you know, in this, this, this short cycle. I think the good news any, is any mood or sentiment vibe. No,
1: I think, I think you'll hear a little of that grumbling and, and but nobody will complain about uh, having to play too much. Um, I think they will, they will, uh, their, their, uh, their ego will get the best of them when they're out there playing a match and they don't want to lose. and, ultimately that you know there might be a few veterans who who don't just go all out and grind 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 but i'd be shocked i mean even phil mickelson who probably is wondering why this event is two weeks before the Masters. When he's out there head to head with somebody, he just he does not like to lose. He's not going to he's yeah. not gonna go, eh, I'm gonna give this about sixty percent. He'll be all in. They all will be, and, and I think the new format with where they at least play three matches is a good thing. It it, it kind of forces them to uh, to no longer complain about the one and done things. So
2: Yeah, nobody's gonna be mailing it in. Uh, understanding that they only have the one round to play. And I guess there are a couple guys who um, maybe haven't rounded into form yet. I'm, I'm thinking especially of somebody like Patrick Reed, who's a terrific match play player, hasn't had this kind of season that he may have preferred so far. Uh, I think he, he had a miscut in there on the Florida swing, and he had previously had some great um, events in Florida. Uh, and maybe Bill Haas could use this event. He's 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 playing right. He yeah. In the top sixty oh, yeah. four. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe he'll use this to to lick some wounds. I mean, I, I don't know. You can come up with a couple storylines. I think about guys who might use this as a kind of propulsion event. I did think you know you miss out on guys using the, the event when it was back in February to really set up their season. I think it was really transformative for, for Jason Day, for instance. To have won that event um, when it was in February was that two years ago
1: Uh, correct yeah
2: yeah so um, but anyhow it'll still be cool it'll be cool to see a new course that nobody's seen on television before I'm very intrigued by your description of it and um, you know with a field like this it's, it's, it's gonna be great golf
1: all right now house let's talk about the masters in a second but first yeah you know the physics of driving are simple right If you want to go farther, you got to go faster. So Callaway worked with the world's leading aerodynamic engineers from Boeing to find even more speed, House, a lot more speed. Uh, Wesley Bryant can attest. He just won the Louisiana Open on Sunday uh, using the new XR driver. And they gave that driver a larger head and a hotter face. They streamlined the shape and made it extremely forgiving. Now, there is a rumor that you have one.
2: Can you attest? I, I do indeed possess one of these devices. As a 13 handicap, I need all the forgiveness I can get. Oh,
1: it's a sweet club. I, I You know, I'm my thing with a driver is that it's got to feel solid from the the, the clubhead to the end of the grip. Like, it all is kind of connected and works. Like, the best persimmon and steel drivers did that. And that's, you know, kind of tricky to find with the modern stuff. And the XR, for me, is uh, the first driver that's kind of done that.
2: I'm going to be on the White Witch Ugh. later this week. Tomorrow I'm Those playing um, a course that actually has hosted uh, PJ events in the past. It's called Trial. Oh, uh, um, yes, yes, yes. So I think the uh, World
1: Cup or something like that there. Yeah.
2: Right, right, exactly. Nice. Uh, I've never set foot uh, on that joint. Tomorrow will be um, uh, a, a Virgin uh, Cruise. For both the XR16 and me, so Sweet. excited for that.
1: All right, well, enjoy, yeah. and uh, we'll uh, next week. We'll we'll kind of grill you on how it goes. Please, you know, put a little tape on the top just in case. You know, when that first shot's a little bit, you know, sketchy. <laughs> you, you are a uh, those of us who have been longtime listeners of, of your podcast with Bill Simmons know that you guys like to uh, talk about some odds and and some uh, some wagers and things like that. And I think the Masters is kind of the one event where it's fun to look at the odds. They're still ridiculous. The favorite favorite should never be below 10 to 1. But I I do think it's the one event where you feel like you could could predict a winner, and if you could bet it the way they do in Britain during the the Open Championship and the other golf tournaments, where you can do an each-way bet, which is sort of a win-place bet where you can get either the win or you get a, a fourth of your earnings for a top six or five or seven finish, It'd be a lot of fun to bet the Masters if you could. Of course, we we can't. But um, have you uh, have you had a look at the Masters odds lately
2: after uh, yesterday's? I, I I have I have taken a look. Um, I have a few thoughts. One of the things that uh, jumped out at me, and I haven't um, this, these were as of the fifteenth, and I don't know whether anything's changed in the last handful of days. Okay, I I, I have a, a, a real um strong uh feeling for Rory this year. I d hmm. I don't love the Rory odds. In fact I hate the Rory odds. But I think this uh phenomena of one blow up round mm-hmm. um that, that that has really been um more than anything like we talked about earlier, it, it seems to be mental. He seems to like play himself out. He, oh he, he flat could take out admitted yesterday's
1: mental. He said it. He yeah. gets mad at himself, yeah, which was kind of a stunning admission. Right.
2: And especially at this point, in, you know, he's had a lot of success and had, you know, pretty dominant performances at some majors. It's a funny thing here in 2016 for his anger to be getting the best of him. That's the kind of thing you expect kind of earlier in, in his career. But I think, you know, it's always been the case that the Masters at Augusta is perfectly suited for his kind of game if he could ever get the short stick working. And we know he can do it because he's mm-hmm. done it across a variety of different courses and conditions. He can get the putter working sometimes. I like Rory. I don't like him at I was to at Fifteen to one, right no, now. No, no, oh, no, no. Oh Eight
1: to one. <laughs> Eight to one.
2: Uh, yeah. So yeah. I'm not touching him, but I no. do like him Ugh. as a winner. The guy that I've kind He's of circled yours. in pencil right now. The guy that I'm circling in pencil is my main man Schwartzel. Yeah. I loved. I loved that win a couple mm. weeks ago, and um, you know he is uh, a, a demonstrated. Uh, not only a horse for the course, but also a guy that is up for it in the majors. And the reason that I like him, and maybe you have the odds in front of you, I saw something that suggested that he could be added 65 to 1. Well, that may have been one of your,
1: your, your street corner bookie types, because I'm looking at 30 to 1 now. Somebody's gotten wise to that oh, number. okay. Yeah. yeah he's...
2: I'm telling you, this was the 15th. I don't know where, where I'm getting these numbers from.
1: Well, they, they so changed quite a still bit. still
2: pretty good, by the way. It's
1: okay, it's okay. But I mean, come on, I take Justin Rose at twenty-five <laughs> before I take Schwartzel, and maybe that's just
2: because I I
1: can't. I'm not a Schwarzl fan. I.
2: Well, uh, you can't get Rose at twenty five. Yeah, he's twenty five, he right?
1: Fifteen. Yep. No, he's twenty five right oh. now. I'm looking at him. Yeah, which I think is here's oh, I might, he, here's why I, I might like need
2: him. to stop for a second and make a phone call. Yeah, I might have to put yeah. the phone down here. You finished that's second last year. That's delicious.
1: Yeah, it is, and he is working with the same guy, Jason Goldschmidt, uh, who has been helping Jason Day with this kind of pre-round. Uh, stuff. And I saw Jason out walking with Rose at Riviera. And Sean Foley is all over working hard with Rose, which I know when I say that a lot of people are going to go, well, then he's toast. But they've had a great working relationship. Sean is a great instructor with the right pupil um, who can take the information the right way. And he does an amazing job. And they are working so hard right now on his game. and But he's also pacing himself. And I know he's got this thing circled And the whole thing is built, the whole season's built around Augusta for him. And I just, I just, I love his game there. I I think he putts well enough. Rory, I'm sorry. Going with the left hand low uh, is just, it's just depressing (laughs) with the putting. I mean, when you're, when you're, an act of desperation. It is. It is. You know, what's sad is his putting stroke isn't that bad when you watch it. It's actually quite nice, but it's just in his head now. So uh, Rose is not a, Great putter, but he's good enough. He knows how to putt at Augusta, so that that I love. Amazingly, Tiger Woods is a hundred to one. He's not going to be playing. Uh, so I, you know, I, Matsuyama at thirty to one is kind of interesting. Uh, that's is 7-1, to one, which is is absurd at this point, not the way touching. he's been playing. Um, yeah, not, not touching.
2: No, no, One thing I like about Justin Rose, and speaking of the UK where you could make this bet, yes. um, Justin Rose has led the Masters after the first round how many times? It feels like 15 times. I know it hasn't been that many, but Justin Rose loves to lead the Masters after day one.
1: He does. He does. I don't know the number either, but it's definitely a place he gets off on the right foot, which is, uh, you know, never hurt. Uh uh, anybody? Uh, so, I don't know. Looking at these numbers, I don't know who would bet any of these prices. They're they're just not very uh, forgiving, frankly. Uh, Bubba ten to one. I, I right now for me, it's Bubba Scott and Day are on on kind of another level going in, just because of their track records, the way they play, uh, their confidence level. What,
2: what do you have Scott at right now?
1: Scott twelve to one, which is uh, pretty good for a former uh, winner who just know. won twice and who. Uh, it's <laughs> kind of unbelievable at Augusta, and the only thing that's kind of weird there is Stevie Williams is joining him on the bag. He's finally got a guy who, uh, you know, he's just won a couple of events with, and and he certainly won with Stevie. But, uh, you know, he's all of a sudden he's gonna dump that guy, and Stevie's gonna be on the bag at Augusta. It's kind of weird.
2: Uh, I didn't know that. I, you know, Adam played great this past week, except for the uh, I think he ended up seven over on 18 over the last two days. Yeah. I know he, oh, five over, five over uh, Saturday and Sunday combined on 18. So if he finished at nine, that, that's 14 under that if he could just have parred 18 and, and, and brought it home, 14 under would have had him like tied for third or something. Yeah. <laughs> um, I love his form right now. Twelve to one is kind of tasty, I have to tell you, Jeff Yeah, Josh, but
1: yeah it's not, it's
2: not horrible. I'm going to give it some thought.
1: By the way, how's the food down there in Jamaica? I know you're a food guy. How, how's it looking down there?
2: It's, it's, it's wonderful. I mean, it's the, it's the, it's, it's spicy jerk stuff. It's chicken. It's fish. It's, it's very healthy. You know, hmm. I need to be uh, in lean, mean, fighting shape entering the golf season. Golf season is officially <laughs> upon us. And uh, if I'm going to be swinging the XR 16 and giving it the the very best it deserves, I I can't be walking around with the winter midway um, belly. Jamaica is a great kickstart for that.
1: Nice. Nice. All right. It's time for the speed round house brought to you by Callaway golf, the number one iron in golf. Their irons feature 360 face cup technology.
2: Did you know that house? I, I don't, I don't know what that means. Can you tell me what it means?
1: It allows for more distance, no matter where you hit it on the face, you can hit it anywhere. If you aren't using an iron with a 360 face cup, you're giving up yards. The only thing faster than the speed you get from Callaway Irons house is a speed round we're about to play. So let's just try to kind of reel off a bunch of topics here. We've sort of glossed over Jordan Spieth. Jordan Spieth, done, toast, tired. What do you think? What does it look like to you as a as a sports fan, kind of seeing an athlete get to the point he's at right now, which is a little weird.
2: It's weird he's tired. I mean, you know, I understand for – the kid, the idea of um, maximizing an all-time top-of-the-world position in terms of uh, what he achieved last season. But, um, you know, you can't come at the expense of, of the Masters. You're the defending green jacket wearer, homie. Get, get, get it in shape. Get it together.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's weird. Uh, it, this week, Austin's going to be really interesting for him. He's going to the place. I know he plays Austin Country Club a bunch. U, University of Texas has this amazing practice facility for the for the golf team there. I wouldn't be surprised if he kind of hangs out there after the rounds, as long as he doesn't play the golf course there. The, the practice facility is amazing. Uh, but I, this whole thing with this fatigue and kind of uh, uh, sort of. Transitioning, you know, each week to more hitting more shots and practice. I've never heard of a player kind of say they were like on a ball count that wasn't coming back from an injury. It was, it was, he revealed that at Riviera. Just kind of threw that out Friday afternoon after he missed a cut. And it just floored me that he was on, on a, like a restricted ball count and he was, he was watching his time. I figure he must have had really bad jet lag from one of his trips over the winter or something. I don't know. It was, it was, oh, yeah.
2: He, he, he should have been on restricted miles count. Yeah, he, he should. He should have taken that seventy thousand miles and chopped it down to twenty five thousand.
1: Yeah, I mean, but throwing your caddy under the bus and and uh, you know the the whole we thing bothers some people, and it doesn't bother me because he really does believe it's a team. But but then you know to to go out there after the final round in Innsbruck and just basically say, well, we're taking the blame for this one this week. Uh, it wasn't it wasn't just me. That was that was kind of unusual, and I would imagine some of his fellow players either thought that was really strange, or they liked it because it they sort of saw an opening. Um, the other thing is he loves Match Playhouse, loves it. Uh, oh, I don't know if you saw any okay. of the Faraday interview. Um, I, I didn't see the whole thing all the way through. There, There's a part where he's talking about Bubba Watson and how he, he knew he had him, like he was in his head, and it really bothered him oh. that, that year when they were kind of going head-to-head. It was essentially match play that he didn't. Uh, seal the deal and kind of finish him off and put him out of his misery. And it, I couldn't believe the way he was talking that way on an interview like that. I thought that was so fascinating that he's that, he loves the head to head battle that much. So many of these guys don't.
2: Well, he, he and, and Reed demonstrated um, a, a really impressive mentality in the Ryder Cup and, and gave those of us who grew up with the Ryder Cup being. At least, you know, a, a contest every couple of years gave gave a lot of gave us hope that, yeah. that this new generation of young Americans is up to the task of, of, you know, they're not guys who are going to be asking about, you know, increasing the, the money that that whole thing with Duval and Tiger and Phil, um, you know, yeah. a generation yeah. ago. No, Very no. uncool. We, we, I like what, what Spieth and are bring to the table.
1: Yeah, and Ricky has it too. It's it's it is really refreshing that, to know that you're not going to have to listen to them uh, complain about having to play the Ryder Cup. It's it's they know what it does for their game, their confidence if they have a great week, and uh, they love representing their country and the whole thing. So now maybe when they're older, we'll check back with them. But uh, now the other thing that Speed did wrong, and I know this was a speed round that has has is grinding to a halt because we're still on Jordan Speed. <laughs> Uh, in that little uh, hissy fit at Innisbrook, he also uh, got into it on social media. He actually challenged the tours a tweet about one of his quotes, and it was just bizarre. Uh, and I don't want to – we can move on from him. The other social media superstar of golf who also runs into pretty much a daily battle is Ian Poulter. And I don't know if you saw how he uh, basically ratted on an assistant AD at Florida Southern who who had who – idiotically admitted to heckling him on the course, and then took to Twitter and, and threw in some humble brags about uh, how he had heckled Balter. And Bolter uh, called him out and called out his school and the guy lost his job. A little little rough or is that that, you know, that kind of the market forces at play?
2: Yeah, I, I don't have any problem with it. You know, the lowest common denominator um, element of, of Twitter and, you know, the the Twitter muffles that, that people get I, I think it's okay for um, guys like Poulter. Now, Poulter is the easiest of easy targets. He is um, to take take his lumps and take the criticisms. But dude got on there and said that he, like you know, yelled for Poulter to hit the ball in the water, like the least sportsman kind of thing you can imagine. As an assistant AD, it's kind of like uh, there's a there's a there's a lot. Uh, uh, a um cognitive dissonance, you know a little logical inconsistency there yeah so um i didn't I, all all polter did was say um hey guy you're, you for for the for the job that you appear appear to possess it doesn't really reflect very well on your institution and yeah. I, I didn't I didn't mind that by polter,
1: yeah. Yeah, it's. I don't know if that's. And gone I did just on. call him Pulse. Yeah, you did, like <laughs> your like your buddies. Yeah. Well, this may be the most attention buddies. he gets all year. I don't think he's going to make the Ryder Cup team. Uh, Grand Slam of is golf. Is he playing
2: in the event in the event this week?
1: No. Uh, he's a. He's yeah, currently he's the alternate.
2: Of, the top 64.
1: He is currently oh, okay. uh, first or second alternate, I believe. I've got to double check. I mean, he's that, the one I'm,
2: of the only characters worth watching in this thing. Typically, you know.
1: Oh, he's a phenomenal match play player, and 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 he just he has the whole thing down. Mainly the thing called making putts and just making people really annoyed that you just make everything you look at. In match play, that's so <laughs> deflating. It's so awful. Yeah. All right, Grand Slam of Golf. It's uh, going away. Uh, sad, sad day for the game.
2: I, you know, it, it had its time. Yeah. Um, and 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 I enjoyed it as a youth. You know the. the 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 random times it would come on the random matchups um but there it, it hasn't had momentum in in a long time so i guess i'm not really heartbroken
1: yeah no the, the the money didn't get anybody's attention and we have too much golf as it is and uh you're right it was it, at its time it was kind of a fun celebration of the major winners but when you started lumping Jim Furyk or Patrick Harrington in who hadn't won majors in you know 5 or 6 years as the uh, as the alternate it was sort of embarrassing um yeah. All right, House. Now this is a uh, this is a tricky topic. You know, as this show is sponsored by Callaway, who is making equipment that makes you uh, allows you to hit it a lot longer. We're off to a very fast start on the driving distance issue on the tour, which you may or may not know has been a little bit of a thing with me. I'm I'm kind of a bifurcation guy. I think the pros should have a few restrictions on their equipment, and I think the average guy should be able to play whatever they want uh, up to a point, obviously. And uh, things are a little bit up this year. And, uh, you know, the tour, the RNA, the USGA, they've kind of, you know, said, um, you know, things have flatlined and everything's just hunky dory. And all of a sudden now we've got some numbers showing that uh, they're going to be sweating a little. They're going to have to uh, come up with some new spin jobs at the end of the year. What do you think? Are you a, uh, where do you stand on the distance issue?
2: I, I, I'm only, it only matters to me as it correlates to scoring. So if we start hmm. seeing some of the classic courses like uh, Riviera or you know even even the Blue Monsters start giving up scores in the 15 to 25 range because guys are hitting it 340 and taking um, you know even, even the, the, the most challenging par fives that are like you know, in the 495 to 515 range and being able to hit driver nine iron or driver wedge, that's where I think you know I, I'm, I start to have a problem with it. But we didn't really see that um, so far in the season. So I don't mind distance, sort of the, the pure distance concept. I think some of that is properly attributable to the overall um, physical well-being of the players. If you look at the winners so far this season, they all have a, a certain body type, right? I mean, Bubba blasts the ball. Adam oh, but Scott he hasn't lifted a weight in like 20 time.
1: years. Come on. he's got No, no, I'm talking yeah.
2: about, a, you know, a, a demonstrated ability to, to, yes. to crush the ball. Yeah. Um, and, and Day has been a long hitter, you know, for, for mo- <laughs> most of his time oh, on tour. Kills so him. I don't really have any issue with, with the distance metric. I, I It only matters to me as it relates to scoring.
1: Yeah, the thing that's interesting now with these numbers, and why I've always just laughed at the the various bodies for saying, "Oh, it's 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 leveled out; it's not going to change," is that you are seeing on the tour replacing players who swing a certain way out. Like we watched Justin Leonard contended at Riviera this year, and the difference in the sound and the swing speed visually in person between him and Adam Scott, for instance, it's stunning. It's like watching it's like watching an amateur to a pro, and Justin Leonard's you know former major winner. Great player, but you are now replacing yeah, people I, like him. also
2: – yeah, that's a tough one, though. Justin, how old is Justin Leonard now? Uh,
1: I want to say I mean, 45. 40. I think he's the same – yeah, I think he's 45.
2: Yeah, so comparing him to Adam Scott, then no, Adam so, Scott is 6'3", and right. but that's you know, my point. A, a, a nice 195, right? So
1: my point is, though, the people like him are now playing the tour less, and they're being replaced by a Justin Thomas who swings – so hard, have has learned the game with modern equipment, has learned – and this is my thing. They don't know what the big miss is, House. You and I are old enough to yeah. have hit a golf club where the miss made you feel so miserable about yourself. The old, the old snap hook, the little tiny heads, the sky ball – they don't know that shot, which is fine. I'm happy for them. Nobody should have to go through some of the humiliation that some of us went through with, with Persimmon. But they don't know that yeah. shot, so they swing a certain way. And in the numbers, you know, when you start weeding out the people who are from— even Tiger and Phil are from an era where they played Persimmon and then small metal heads. They know the big miss. They've experienced it. They still do yeah. from time to time. And these guys, I don't think they really know that shot. And So the numbers are going to keep going up. Uh, and that's they're going to have to deal with it. But speaking of Tiger, by the way, uh, yeah, take your pick. What what was your favorite Tiger anecdote from from last week? That he's he's texting Jason Day as his mental coach, or that he got the uh, the mortgage paid off with the wife, and that she personally went to the, the courthouse to <laughs> to sign the document. I guess just for fun uh, to 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 let it be known for the record that that she was paying attention and she's been paid off. What, what do you what's what's your favorite?
2: Um, I like very much the role that Tiger's taken on as kind of a, a senior member oh, of, of the of the global tour. But the thing that I obviously like more than anything else is the Elon thing. Mm. And I, I'm still a dude who thinks maybe I'm nuts. I think they're going to get back together. I think at some point oh,
1: there's going to be oh, a reconciliation. Dear. Oh no! Okay, <laughs> I don't even know where to go with that. Let's let's go to the elder statesman idea. Now you're a big MBA guy, and we and I think you and you and Bill may have discussed this, or Bill may have discussed it with uh, Chuck Klosterman. I, I can't remember. The Kobe, like right now, Kobe is suddenly this elder statesman. He's the Abe Lincoln of the NBA. Everybody loves him, and I, you know, no, Kobe was a narcissist. That's why he was great. He played a certain way. Tiger's the same way. This stuff that he's an elder statesman, he wants to have bonding sessions with the Ryder Cup team. Give me and he's texting with Jason, trying to help him. Give me a break. Come on, that's he not his help nature. He uh.
2: I don't. Well, I don't disagree with that. And and the Kobe thing couldn't be more phony. And I understand exactly. It's a it's a it's a good analogy because you know she, two two enormous narcissists, but. Um, Tiger has has softened a little over the last twenty four months, hasn't he? Been well, that's what scares had me. Had enough doses of humility, hasn't he? Eaten enough humble pie over the last half decade, he has. to be in a position where where we could genuinely accept that he might help some of these youth. Well, I can
1: accept it, but it, it it worries me that he'll never get his edge back, and that's what I th- I guess it's I'm I'm accepting now that he's going to be like Kobe. Except that golfers can have late in life uh, periods where they can kind of get it back together. And this whole I'm I'm a I'm going to be a cart driver at the Ryder Cup. I'm going to be encouraging Jason. It just seems to me that he's he's conceding that he's never going to get that edge back because that was part of what made him great was he just blow by people and he'd have that kind of Hogan cranky thing going. And I think, I think it's kind of well, sad. Look, I, I know people find it touching that he's, he's being an elder statesman, but I, I, I think it's kind I, of sad. I
2: think when when he gets himself back to a position where he's, he's physically ready, I think all that, and I'm going to you I'll go ahead and curse. I think all that shit goes out the window. I mean, I, I, I am a person who will never, as long as I'm on planet Earth, count Tiger Woods out of anything because he taught us for with 15 years of dominance that he, he is always up for it, you know, b- body willing and God willing. So I think, you know, the, I love the trajectory. Now, I'm just, you know, a dude sitting at home with a computer reading whatever's on the interwebs about his uh, past to his rehabilitation path, but it seems like he's showing some patience this time, perhaps for the first time through any of the injuries that he's encountered in his whole career. He's showing patience, and that's another attribute that we hadn't oh, seen a lot of out of geez. him. So maybe this is the time.
1: Yeah, it's called. The patience is induced by Doctor Golia not being able to make uh, house visits anymore, and so on that. Oh, no! On that oh, positive, no. Now you hey, oh, you just no. had Jack- some. Jack-
2: in, goes right there. You had an injection
1: of some kind, right? You had the the platelet spinning uh, nonsense, right? I did. Right? Yeah, I did. Yeah. That's
2: legal, by the way. That's I know. legal for for every, every American. Oh, it's any very good. Any American yeah. can get that. Yeah. It was very helpful, by the way. Okay. I'm going to be able to play golf tomorrow because of that. So
1: you're going to test that out tomorrow. Okay, good. Now, any, anything else we, uh, we did? a lot of things tomorrow. Anything else uh, you want to get off your chest before we, we wrap this up?
2: No, we. I think this is a, a great first entry of the Sheck House, and uh, I invite everybody to come along. Hot dogs and beers on us.
1: Yeah, well, I, I agree, and I think it's going to be a lot of fun. We we need to have some good Frank talk about golf, and I think you and I, as we uh, kind of get to uh, to do this with everybody and we hear a little of the feedback, we'll get more and more going, but um – uh, and we want to thank yeah, our friends, at Callaway,
2: for the yeah, opportunity.
1: Yeah, they uh, they they've uh, they've sponsored us, and uh, we appreciate them uh, coming up with this show and, yeah, and helping basically. us. So one last thing about our friends at Callaway, our sponsor. Did you know they've uh, now they've teamed up with Vice Sports, a uh, another outstanding entity for an epic video profile of Jamie Sedlowski, two-time world long drive champion from Canada, who hits it over 400 uh, yards. I He's, know, I know Jamie. Okay. I'm familiar with his work. Yeah. So they've got his stories from his minor league hockey days, his travels around the globe it's at Golf.com uh, backslash vice sports check it out and by the way house uh, callaway.com has tons of great content you know they're doing stuff as a company that's uh, not just telling you how great they are but trying to kind of get the dialogue going in golf callaway live awesome show they've had mickelson jimmy dunn this week they got lydia and morgan Pressel, two of the lpga's most engaging personalities in my view so Excellent. Check it all out. Excellent, excellent. And uh, we thank them for uh, all their support of this show, and we look forward to uh, talking to you next week as we uh, build up to the Masters. Uh, I'm Jeff Shackelford. Uh, He's Joe House, and uh, this is Shack House, and we'll talk to you next week.